Hello, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Romance at a Glance, Authors at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. With me is my co-host, Shani. Hi, Shani. Hi, Bridget. Excited to see your face today. I'm always excited to see your face, Shani. It always makes me so happy. Bridget, I, I'm coming to see you in August, and I'm very, very excited <gasps> about this, by the way. If y'all don't know, I'm coming. I'm going to watch Bridget's children because those are my children. And I, I have a plan to, by the time she gets back, I'm going to teach them how to, one, twerk, two, I'm going to teach them yes. all the cat all the catchphrases in existence yes. <laughs> so that they can say to their parents when they come back. And I want them to come back and be like, you know, I just Nani said that we get to do this and I want, we're just going to have to be like, well, mommy said. Uh, we know what mom says? I don't give a fuck. That sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I accept all of these things. My kids already know a lot of catchphrases because I just speak regularly around them. They're already going to be like, holy Jesus. (laughs) Molly says, uh, she she can't say God damn it. She says, hot damn it. (laughs) That's That's better. That's that's even better. (laughs) That's even better. Kira right now is testing out uh, stupid. Or she'll say, we say butthead, and she was like, she calls it ass butt. <laughs> we're like, it's not ass butt, baby, it's butthead. She's like, and then she'll just be like, ass butt, like she can't say it. It's like so funny. So I'm into all of this. My kids already twerk because the red panda twerks. So they already will drop oh, it they're low. Already on it. Yeah, oh, but you perfect. can definitely give them some tutorials on that for sure. I'm going to introduce them to some music they've never heard before. Oh, uh, <laughs> please, do. please do. Please do. tapes. <laughs> Always. Yes. They I mean they love music. So I think the more music and dancing the oh, better. Yeah, I'm excited. Today we are talking with Jamie Wesley. I had a really good time talking to her. First of all, she wrote a book with one of my favorite tropes, fake dating. And yep. so I was very pleased to not only read her book, but have her on the old podcast. And she was a delight. You and she bonded over your love of Disney <laughs> and going to Disney World. Going to Disney Working World. Disney World. The magic. The magic. Uh, we talked a lot about sports romance and kind of balancing the how much sports is too much sports, how to balance having someone with that professional career, but also make it contemporary and make it fun and not very, you know, not too sports heavy and, and more romance forward. And I thought she I did love, a lovely job in her book. I love when, when authors take something that they spent a lot of time doing in their life and start incorporating mm-hmm. that into their story, because I think it sure. adds an element of authenticity to the entire picture uh, when, yeah, when you details. do that. Yeah, details, nice details. Yes. Also, because like sometimes I'll read a book about something that I know a lot about and I can tell the author doesn't. Um, and just in when they'll say something and I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not, it kind of takes a little bit away. So <laughs> the fact that she's writing about something she really knows about, like I think is really dope. That is a good point. I have read some books where I'm like, ooh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm gonna get past it. Yeah. I'm but she was she was amazing. It. I I, she was I amazing. Loved, I love talking to her. And I I mean I, I also love cupcakes. And I love when uh, I love cupcakes. I love when romance involves cupcakes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, or food. Yes, or yes. food of any kind, really. Food of any food of yeah. any kind, really. Food of any kind. And where are we and yeah. where are we eating it off of? I'm just saying. So <laughs> Always you. And oh. where am I looking it from? Where, Thank you. Where's this icing located? <laughs> oh, well, on that note, you guys, um, let's get this interview popping. Let's get it popping with Jamie. Romance at a glance. Uh huh. Romance at a glance. What you say now? Romance at a glance. Go ahead, girl. It's okay, so first of all, I just want to tell you that I love a good pun. And when I read the title of your book, Fake It Till You Bake It, I also love the fake dating trope. And we're doing fake dating as uh, a trope for our summer trope season. So it was like all the stars aligned when I got the email from your publisher. And when you're writing a title for a book, like, do you, did you right away think, ooh, fake it till you bake it. That's so cute. Or did you have like a list of like a hundred titles? How do you come up with like a a fun pun. I wish I could take credit for the title, but no. Actually, my editor came up with it, Like, but it was after I sold the book. I'm trying to remember what I sold it as. It was not as cute as Fake It Till You Bake Yet, but I knew, but I knew that there was a good chance it would be changed, 
So I was mm-hmm. fine with that. And then, you know, one day she just emailed me and she was like, oh, I thought of a title. What do you think? And I was like, I love it. Yes, let's go for it. Yeah, so cute. Oh, I think um, it was, I think when I submitted it, I, it was called The Sweet Life. Sweet Life is also really cute. Sweet Life works yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so I think this is really interesting because I feel like a lot of writers that we've talked to come from like every background imaginable. And you're definitely the first sports management <laughs> background that we've had on the podcast. So welcome. Okay. But I also thought it was really cool because, you know, the, one of the main MCs in the book is a professional athlete. Her grandma owns the professional football team. And like, how did that, like, did you kind of have that in your mind? Like, oh, I've been around that world for a while. I want to write about it. I, well, I have my master's degree in sport management and that's just because I love sports. Like I've been a sports fan since I was a kid and um, I wanted to work in sports, which is how I ended up getting the degree because it's kind of hard to break into that um, career if you don't have any experience. So um, that's how I ended up with the degree. And, you know, I, I always say I have two loves. I love sports and I love romance. So I just put them together to make a sports romance. And that that's basically how a lot of my books end up. They, most of them have some sports in it some kind of way. Or, um, I'm just going to go out on a limb and assume that we're also going to get Nicholas and August books. Does that feel like a fair estimation? Um, yeah. Yes, that's a fair estimation. It's, um, I signed a three book contract. So okay. yes, they will have their own stories. Yay. No, I just, I always think this, but I never asked this. Like when you sign like a three book contract, is there like part of your brain that's just like, oh my God, amazing. And the other part that's like, oh my God. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not like, no, it's amazing for me because I mean, I, when I submitted the book, I submitted a full proposal. So it was fake, what ended up being fake it till you bake it, but also a couple of paragraphs on what I wanted books two and three to be about. So mm-hmm. I came up with the whole series before I submitted it to agents. And then my agent ended up submitting that proposal to editors. That's cool. Oh, so I was always keen to write about. You are already about- like, No, I got stories on stories on stories. (laughs) Yes. After I just finished the book and after reading it, I'm like torn between like, okay, are they going to be with a character that we've already met? In which case I know which ones I want them to pair up with. Or is it going to be a new character that we haven't met yet? Which I'm also fine with, but I have opinions. We could talk about it later. (laughs) So I want to talk about this because you wrote a blog about it and I was reading through your website and I feel like this is something that a lot of writers can identify with. And I think it would be really cool because you've just published this book. It's getting a lot of great press. Like it's awesome. But also you talk about how you didn't publish a book in 2018 and how you kind of got stuck. Like how I get I have two a two-part question one which is like do you have advice for people who get stuck on on some some things that they can like take baby steps to get unstuck and then also like as someone who you have another career and writing is like a second career on top of your first career like did it ever feel like uh uh-oh am I never gonna get unstuck and like how did you mentally kind of keep going Those, those are very good questions. How advice to get unstuck is there's a couple things you can try. You can switch stories, which ultimately I did. Whenever I wrote that blog post, I'm not, no, I think I did end up finishing that story. It hasn't been published yet, that book. Yeah, switch, switch stories, work on something else, and then be nice to yourself, which I don't follow but don't be like me be nice to yourself and understand that just because you didn't write today or tomorrow that doesn't mean that you can't write again or that you can't start up again just take it as it comes and really if you need to only do as much as you can a day so if that's only 10 or 15 minutes a day then that's what you have but you can actually get things accomplished in 10 or 15 minutes a day. It's not like a huge chunk, but you can write 
um, depending on how fast you type, you can write two or 300 words in 10 to 15 minutes. And if you do that for five days, you have like a thousand words. And I always say, you know what? It's not a lot, but I'm a thousand words closer being done with this story than I was at the beginning of it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's like, a, I have a model like that, which is like, uh, every day I work for myself on this end is one less day I got to work on the other end. <laughs> yes. Yeah, for sure. What are you saying, Bridge? I was just going to say, like, a little bit of progress feels so good. Like, crossing yes. one little, oh, I wrote 15 minutes. Boop. Mm-hmm. Like, feels... I'm like a, I always appreciate the people who have like really beautiful planners. I don't know if you're someone who does like the planners or all that stuff. My, <laughs> I have terrible, terrible handwriting as Shawnee can say. Uh, it's really, it's, it's my like four-year-old's handwriting is going to be better than mine in like two years. <laughs> but, but I really like, I can't like put a little check mark or a little, st- I need to cross that out. I want that, like obliterate that from my list. <laughs> Do you like structure your writing with some sort of like visual board or outline or something? I don't do like a board or anything like that. I, before I write a book, I do need a a basic synopsis. And I say basic because it doesn't go over every single scene in the book. It's just like major things that I know are going to happen. Some major scenes that I picture in my head before I ever write it, they go into the synopsis. And then, um, and I like it that way because that allows you to keep the discovery process alive as you're writing. And that's the funnest thing about me because I do prep before I write about like, oh, I want this character to be like this and I want that character to be like this. And as I'm writing, you know, something will pop in my head and I'm like, oh my God, they're, uh, they're allergic to peanut butter or whatever the case may be. And it's not something that I ever dreamed of as I was writing the synopsis, but it kind of fits in. I'm like, oh, no, well, if they're allergic to peanut butter, then, you know, unfortunately she could have an allergic reaction, but he's a doctor, so he'll save her or vice versa, whatever the case may be. Yeah. So um, I try not to get too precise because that, to me, that impinges on my creativity as I'm writing. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's, uh, that's, that's really like gotta be true because like the, the broader that you allow yourself to be, the more the character gets to lead you, like you just get to follow along with them and see who they are. And I think that's really like a cool uh, process. Uh, you, is there sometimes where you're really shocked by what you just wrote? Like, like, uh, like how? Like where you had an, uh, you know, an idea of where you were headed. And then by the, when you, like, whatever that day was, when you were done writing, you were like, that took a turn. <laughs> that, <laughs> that, took, that took a real turn. Yeah, and yes, yes. I'll say yes. A lot of times it'll just be like dialogue that I hadn't anticipated them saying yeah. you know because I'm you know I'm constantly thinking even as I'm driving to my day job or what have you you know I'll, a lot of times I'll be thinking about the book I'm working on and where I wanted to go and then so I'm thinking oh I'm good I know what I'm doing and I get down and I start writing and then they'll say something like what wait what where'd that come from and then you just kind of go with it and but then but that's also a cool part like I said it's like oh I hadn't thought of thought of that but that adds a really great element to the story. So I'm going to keep going yeah. with that. And sometimes I, <laughs> I'm i like, oh, I'm so hilarious. I think I'm hilarious. I'm like writing and I'll just come up with something, you know, funny that they say that I hadn't thought about. I'm like, that's great. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> do, you ever, do you ever find that like when you're sitting down to like kind of edit your, the story, that the story really changes where you thought it was going to be? Not by the time I edit. Like it'll change a lot sometimes in my first draft. Um, And that's why I say I don't like a a full scene by scene outline because I wanna make room for that, for those changes. So what I usually do, you know, is I'll just write the story. I'll use my synopsis as kind of a guide. Like, oh, what is supposed to happen? Oh yeah, they're supposed to get into a fight. Okay, let me write that. And then 
when I'm done with the first draft, I usually just make a, a list of all the scenes that I've written in the story. And I'll just read them to make sure they make sense. And then I'll start moving things around, scenes around, if I think, oh, actually they should, they should have that fight before you know, they go on a date or what have, or whatever. Or maybe they should have the fight after they go on the date and that blows up their world. So I, I, I kind of think of the scenes as puzzle pieces. Nice. And I move them around so they fit. Do you, are you obsessed with cupcakes? <laughs> because reading this book, <laughs> I was like, I wonder if she eats a lot of cupcakes. <laughs> or it's like, that's like her, because cookies are like my, like if I was going to write this book, uh -huh. it would be a cookie, it would be like a cookie bakery because I right. love cookies. And then I would just wax poetic about cookies. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a lot of delicious cupcakes she's describing in this book. I wouldn't say I'm obsessed with cupcakes. I love a, I love a good cupcake. I'm like, who doesn't <laughs> love a good cupcake, right? That's what I'm saying. Uh, yes, but you know, I'm never gonna turn down a cupcake. But yeah, but I love, but I love cupcakes. I love, I'm like you. I love cookies as well. But, you know, at my at my day job, my boss, uh, his daughter is a Girl Scout, so she was selling Girl Scout cookies, and I bought like five boxes. This was a few months ago. And I bought like five boxes and I went through them and I was very sad when I was done with my last box and I went into his office and he still had some. And I was like, why do you still have these cookies? And he's like, oh, these are extra. I was like, okay, well, let me buy the last, let me buy them all. So I bought like five more boxes and I just finished them like yesterday and I was very sad. I was like, oh, no more. My, I, all my boxes are in the trash now. So I don't know if you're a Costco member or if, if it's even at all Costco that just happened to be at mine. However, I will tell okay. you, I was shopping at Costco and I found a chocolate covered pretzel, like a bag except for it was covered in Girl Scout Thin Mint coating, <laughs> officially Girl Scout branded. Okay. So it was like the official, wasn't a knockoff. Uh -huh. It was uh -huh. the official Girl Scouts. Incredible. I mean, <laughs> outrageously good. I had a barbecue and every single person who came to the barbecue, I was like, hold up though. You have to have one of these immediately. And everyone was like, where did you buy these? Do you have extra bags? Like, because you can't get them. You know, normally you can only get that fix right. in that one season. Mm -hmm. I have not been back to Costco yet to see if they have another bag, but I can tell you right now, that bag did not last the barbecue. <laughs> like, everyone was just like, these are so good. Incredible. I, I love how, like, when you said that, I was like, why is my favorite thing from Costco like a chocolate covered something? <laughs> <laughs> like, is that like the that's like the 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 age group we're in now where we're like chocolate covered things from Costco is I like love Kirk, I vote it. Kirkland's great I mine's think... mine's the dark chocolate mango like the dried mango that's dipped in chocolate I... that you could only get Kirkland's finest <laughs> <laughs> I never had that one but I think like I feel like there's something I mean obviously there's the people who don't have sweet tooths but I feel like more people have a sweet tooth than don't and I feel like there's something sort of like universal about like going somewhere and seeing a beautiful dessert and eating it. And also like, I'm pretty excited for Nicholas's book just because he comes up with the new flavors. And I'm like, mm -hmm. ah, what is he going to be cooking for someone and make a special flavor for them? And then maybe <laughs> also cook with them and then maybe also have sex with them in the kitchen, even though it's totally unhygienic in real life. But also I'm just saying it's a dream and I'm just like, but we accept it. But this supply, I'll take yeah. the supply room. There's so much sensuality in food, man. Yeah, so much sensuality in food. So much angst in food. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit about sex because obviously we're talking about romance novels. Mm -hmm. The I was very pleased that your book was open door because we get these illustrated covers and you just it's really hard to tell what you're gonna get from the mm -hmm. description and the illustration. But I was very pleased that it was open door because we enjoy an open door uh, on our podcast. When you're writing those scenes, like what is your process? Do you kind of like just like sort of free flow them out? Do you kind of like plot them out and think about like how, how it's all going to happen? Like how do, how do those come together for you? Uh, it depends on the book. A lot of times, like I'll know when they're going to have sex and where they're going to be. And it's also kind of like the couple's dynamic with each other. So 
Yeah, like I, I knew in this, I'm, I don't want to give it away, but I knew that that was the point that they were going to have sex. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, how do I get them there? Because I'll just say this, I'll say they have sex at his house, but I was like, they're not at his house. <laughs> so I'm like, how do I get them there? <laughs> so that was, that was like, okay, how do, yeah, and those are the logistical things that writers have to go, because I didn't, you know, they're at work because they work at a cupcake shop and I was like yeah they can't have sex in his office like that's just not like one that's not his, that's not his vibe yeah. yeah and also they're at work and it's not a big place in my mind so I'm like someone's gonna hear them having sex so like they have to get mm -hmm. out of here so that that was the main thing with that and then you just kind of go with it they kind of just meet me as I'm writing I can tell you right now, you just spoke Shawnee's language when you're like, they can't have sex at work because <laughs> other people will hear them and it's a small place and that's not logical. That was Shawnee's catnip right there. You're just speaking <laughs> Shawnee's language. I have so much Because she's always getting on me because she's like, she's like, she's like, no, this is bullshit. These people wouldn't have sex with them because she has all these reasons. And I'm like, get in the mood. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> Suspend your disbelief, my friend. But you just talk, you just spoke her language, right? <laughs> but see, you know, it's, it's so funny that you say that because that's, I think, Bridget, I think like you as a reader, I'm like, yeah, go for it. Sure. Let's, <laughs> let's go. But as a writer, I'm much more of a shiny, like I can't, I can't. So <laughs> it's just like my brain, like my brain, it tends to be a little hyperlogical. And in reading books, I am suspending my disbelief, right. but there's sometimes only so much where I'm just like, no, what, what, how, how could you even, but where is like, <laughs> no, When I'm reading books and that stuff happens, I just laugh and I'm like, keep going. Let's just keep yeah. going. Yeah. I'm going to go with so it. So anything you write on the page, my brain will build as a picture which I didn't realize everybody's brain doesn't do, right? So like, if you tell me he runs into this room and this, and whatever, I, I'm, there's a room and there's a room and I can see that as like a 3D image, you know? So it's very, so sometimes I get so much anxiety, especially in the action adventure ones. This is the one Bridget and I always get like up and out because they're like, there's a murderer on one side of the door and they're inside making out in the closet. And I'm like, what's <laughs> happening, guys? What? Wait, can get out of there. <laughs> and I just and laugh. I'm like, I'm no. Like <laughs> I'm like, no, Shawnee. They said the murderer was going to take 30 minutes to catch up to them. Therefore, they got 30 minutes to go to pound town before we got to get into a more less dangerous situation. I think it's perfectly reasonable. You think your life is on the line? Then you need to just bang one out before you die. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. It's funny because I don't know where, I don't know how, where my brain has made the rules of where I could suspend disbelief and where I can't. Like, it's just, it's arbitrary. Like, I have no idea what the line is. Uh, but yes, we definitely have that talk all the time. Like, this has to make sense. Uh, I do like yeah. when books make some sort of sense, like mm -hmm. overall. Uh, unless they were just pure fantasy, like pure, like yeah. we're in another land and whatever. But I also think that that's kind of the, the pitfall of writing contemporary is that it's so real to like our regular life that when something doesn't really like work, like it's not something that when you'd see in your real life, then it sticks out like a sore thumb. Whereas if we were a space pirates on the planet Gargo, <laughs> you know what I mean? We'd be like, oh, I guess that's what happens on Gargo. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> so, so I think that it probably is a little bit trickier to write uh, contemporary than any, you know. Well, I mean, that. contemporary, it's mostly, it's honestly, it's things like they can't really get lost here or something because for, they have cell phones now. We have, you know, they're like, I have no clue who you are. What do you mean you don't know who he is? He's like the most popular guy in America. Do you not have the internet? You know, it seems like that, that as a contemporary writer, you have to contend with. Yes. And if you don't know who he is, you got to give a good reason why. Like, why would someone not know who Tom Cruise is? You know, yeah. like, that's just. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I live in the backwoods of <laughs> Vermont. <laughs> I'm in a militia. Like, <laughs> I live in a hut with no internet or running yeah. water, and therefore I hunt my own elk. And you know, I I have thought this because Bridget and I have talked about like um about writing like a romance at some point, or writing novels at some point, and I always think about like these random scenarios 
that I could write about. And I thought about this because I was, I was in Vermont and people told me like, when you're there, like, be careful because there's these like militias that are like isolated in the like woods or whatever. And the police will not interact with this, these militias. So like, if you in the wrong place, you, that's it. That's it for you. You know what I mean? And I, I always thought like, if you try to write a militia love story, <laughs> like, no. I, I mean, people think, write motorcycle gang romances. So I think you could write a militia one. I think I this guy's, so I mean, like there's lizard people. We read one about a crustacean from space. Like, the sky is the literal limit, Johnny. <laughs> I just think it's funny because you'd have to do so much research on this militia or militias in general. Just you know, make it all up. It's a book. <laughs> yeah, but see, the would militia... you ever, Jamie? Would you ever write in like a like paranormal or or sci-fi historical or... or any other genre? Probably not. <laughs> not <laughs> I like I don't feel like I'm creative enough to do that like I'll read a paranormal and I will like I'll I'll marvel at their creativity of all the rules they come up for their society or what have you but at the same time I'm like I kind of skim it because I just want to read the romance <laughs> I just want to know the two like the two creatures or the two people or what have you like you're like oh in this society the werewolves do this and the eagles do that and, which is great but I, I applaud you for coming <laughs> up with that but I just skim it I'm like when are they going to start talking to each other again you know, when, you know, when are they going to pound town I am a hundred percent on on team Jamie right now because team skin. I think that there is a delicate balance between especially in romance between like world building and getting the characters together fast enough mm -hmm. because a lot of times they do a little bit too much exposition at the beginning <laughs> setting it all up yeah. and the two main characters haven't even met yet and I'm like but you could have explained this all like later and had them meet earlier. Like I'm here for the two of them meeting. I'm yeah. not, I, I, all the rest of it is wonderful. I love right. paranormal, yeah. but also, I'm like, they need to meet in the first three or four chapters of the book for me to care. Otherwise I'm like, what are we still doing here? We're still, we're everyone's <laughs> apart still? What's, also, how are like, they gonna fall in love? We've already used up 25% of this book. Like when are they gonna meet and fall in love? But also like the fact that like most paranormals now are not standalone. Like uh, every time I pick up a paranormal, oh. they have four or five. So why am I having to learn the entirety of the world in book one? Like, I, you know what sure. I mean? I'm just like, I can, every, every, learn some more every facts couple later. can introduce some new dynamic in that world that's relevant to their story or whatever like I don't know I'll go on that journey like <laughs> but like it's so funny because like today I was I'm listening to a book that we're going to review on and I was definitely team skim I was like oh I gotta I gotta I gotta get to <laughs> yeah but the only downside to skimming I found is like you'll get to a point and they'll be like talking about something and I'm like I don't know what they're talking about you'll like, be like I gotta go back <laughs> We, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the Black Dagger Brotherhood, but we reviewed the books one through 11 and every day, every book we'd be like, so, and then the lessers and you're like, you know what? We really don't care about the lessers. Let's just move past it. <laughs> we don't care. Nobody cares about that on this podcast. This is uh, so, so I actually saw that, uh, read that you really like Disney. And I used to work at Disney World, and I'm I'm curious if any Disney type stuff, or I don't know if you can actually say Disney in books. I don't know how that whole works, but maybe a uh, um, an amusement park with <laughs> with cartoonish animals and princesses is going to make any sort of appearances in your stories. Um, I'm very curious about that because there's a there's a lot there's a lot about Disney, and there's a lot that you can write about, like a, a mythical like a you know a fake amusement park and what goes on behind the scenes I mean and I could tell you some stuff <laughs> yes I would I would love it but, you know I I've never incorporated Disney into any of my books and I'm like I don't know why not I mean I think you can say Disney World I mean they're going to Disney World I don't know if they would get in Disney World would get in, up in arms if you like set a book in Disney World I don't I don't know how that works 
legally or if there even is a legal issue. I know taking it way back to when I was a small child, <laughs> I, I, I grew up reading the Babysitter's Club and in one of the books, they go to Disney World. And I remember reading that book and that was before I'd ever gone to Disney World, but I was like, I loved it. And when I got the opportunity to go to Disney World like a year or so later, I was like 10 or 11. Like I read that book as my research, like, cause I was like, okay, I wanna <laughs> write, I wanna write Space Mountain and yeah. all this stuff. And I, the funny thing about it is like Space Mountain was my number one ride that I had to go ride when I went to Disney World. So we go and it was closed for renovations and I was so heartbroken. I was like, no, we, I, we walk up there. I'm like, where is everybody? And like a cast member was like, it's closed. So this was uh, like, the, this was the early nineties. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Or, yeah. So I, I had to settle for Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. And so that Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, it holds a special place in my heart. Like, I'm like, oh, this is my first Disney roller coaster. Cause I had to ride it. Cause Space Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. But yeah, as far as like in my books, I mean, like I've never been hit with an idea. I guess that's probably more the case. To I feel sell. like, like I I know like when I was working at Disney, like the drama, like the drama of it all between the characters and like what kind of character you were, where you worked, you know, right. like were you a what fake you character? Do? Were you a, uh, I so I went as part of the Disney College program, okay. which honestly was essentially like slave labor. Like, mm. um, it so nobody liked us when we got there because we were just basically taking full time people's hours, but mm. but for like intern pay, right? <clears throat> so, and uh, but I worked in Fantasyland, so my job was basically to like work all the like kid rides, like Snow White, the teacups, um, Mickey's Philhar Magic. It's like we're um, it's a small world all that in that land and then yes. we would work like fireworks so every night they do a big firework show and so you'd get put on like firework duty or parade duty or whatever what is fireworks duty basically you move everybody out of the way oh, of, okay. of the, the ashes that are gonna drop and burn you and <laughs> then you get ashes on you that burn you and burn oh. through your clothes like, like that's that's what it was parade duty was way more fun because you it was the one time you got to leave your land in your outfit because you'll get fired if you leave your land uh, out of outfit it's called like uh, out of costume or whatever and uh, so if, if I walked into Tomorrowland it was like instantly fired you would be fired uh, but if you were on parade duty they would take a couple people from every land to like meet at the like the castle like in that main street and basically our job was to clear and make sure no kids and no people were in the way of the moving vehicles that were about to go uh, down. So you always wanted parade duty because it was like, you got to get off your ride. You you don't realize that the per person working the ride has to listen to a spiel, the same exact spiel for hours and hours and hours every single day. So you used to always try to like fight to, to get off. But during Christmas is the only time I loved working at Disney because it gets really super, super, super cold. Uh, they give you like these warm wool jackets and stuff. There's lights everywhere. It felt so magical. They make it like feel super magical or whatnot. But like, as far as like storytelling, you know, you have like the entire underground world that you're like, you know, that's under Disney. And then you have, you do have the drama between the managers between the characters, between like um, what kind of like employee are you? And then like, um, there's even like drama between like if you're a face character like us, like a princess, like Snow White or Jasmine or whatever, or if you're a character, like a, what do you call it? I forget what they call it, you know, in a suit, like a suit, mm -hmm. suited character, there's like a hierarchy, you know, and stuff. And so I just feel like the drama that could. <laughs> I'll, I'll say, yeah, I'll say this. I have a friend whose uh, niece works at Disney World as a face character. And I know the only thing she told me is like her niece, one of like, you know, it's like Cinderella and Prince Charming. And like one of the Prince Charmings didn't like her because <laughs> because he was tall and she was short and like yeah. he felt like a giant standing next to her so he didn't like for her he didn't like having to work with her because because of the height difference so it's that kind of petty yeah. stuff that goes on I thought it was... it, yeah I was gonna say I find it 
uh, what you're saying about the different characters doing parade duty. I'm like, I've never noticed. I'm going in December. So I'm gonna, that's what I'm gonna look at. Like, see so who's wearing what costume during the parades and see if they're out of their land. Oh yeah, you'll see the different <laughs> okay. lands on, on the street. That's the only time you'll ever see okay. anybody. I'm, I'm gonna it, pay attention. I was gonna say, are you going to the Florida one or the California one? I forget which one is which. It's yeah, it's the Florida one. Disney World is in Florida. Okay. Disneyland is in California. Okay. So, I, lived wait, in LA for ten, I lived in LA for 10 years and never went to Disneyland. So <laughs> I'm, I enjoyed Disney. I watched Aladdin today with my kids. I enjoyed Disney movies. I enjoyed Disney in general. I could sing you like basically every song they've ever done, but I just, I just like, I, I don't know why I just never went. I think cause I'm too cheap. I think that's why I never went, but I don't. <laughs> Like to spend yeah. a lot of money, and I was like, "How much are tickets?" Also, Disneyland, yeah. Disneyland is I'll be not. So Disneyland's not worth it to me, money wise, because they don't have the amount of rides, they don't have the amount of attractions, they don't have the amount of whatever. If you're going to do it, you got to go to Disney World because they just make you feel like you entered a whole new existence. Yeah, yeah, they like they really immerse okay. you in it. But like, are you okay. are you going during either October or December? I'm going just December, yeah, early December. Okay. So I don't know if you've gotten your tickets yet or not, but the one thing I did love about Disney is that they have the Mickey's very Merry Christmas party. Yes. And I, if you're going, I would suggest getting tickets to that because um, are you going, do you have kids or are you going with yourself or? I'm just going by myself. Okay. Okay, okay. okay. So what they do is the park is open all day till like six or so. And then they shut the whole park down and they kick everybody out. And then at seven, they reopen from seven to like midnight and they only sell a very small amount of tickets, right? The whole park's open, but not that many people are in it. And then they have cookies and hot chocolate that they pass out all night for free. You can eat as much cookies and hot chocolate <laughs> as you can. They have lights, they have carolers, they have whatever. I mean, it is magic. They make you feel like I worked there. I hated it Ooh. and I love I loved <laughs> this, okay? <laughs> So I, I feel like, first of all, you start your caroling, Shawnee, in like September. So you would I, love it. Yes, I do. <laughs> and secondly, I feel like I would be in a diabetic coma if someone was like, here's free hot cocoa and cookies all night. I'd be like, <laughs> it's like, but it's, it's cold in Orlando. So it's, dream. so you're like, you got your hot cocoa and you bundled up and stuff. Anyway, I'm just you saying me it, drink hot cocoa. I could drink like 25 cups of hot cocoa. I love it, hot cocoa so much. It's so it, good. It, it may spark some romantic. I'm just saying it might spark something. <laughs> spark joy. Spark some, yeah. Spark some thoughts about your next uh, romance novel. Are you, so like this book obviously just got published by mm -hmm. the time this comes out, dear listeners, I think the book will have been out for two or three weeks. Do what was I going to say? Oh, are you like working on the next one? Like, do you have a publishing date yet for the next one? How is that? I am currently working on the second one. I don't have a pub date for it, but yes, I am working on book two. Hey. So hopefully next year. Yes, hope yes, next year, sometime next year. Not hopefully that book will be here next. Yeah, no, it will. <laughs> is it gonna be? Is it gonna be August or is it gonna? I'm guessing it's August first, but is it August or next month? <laughs> or are you uh, not allowed to say yet? No, it's not that I'm not allowed. I know it's kind. I want people to read the first. Book. Okay. Well, there. Yeah, then, you, yeah. Dear listeners, you should read the first book. And not just because I'm saying that. You know me. I'm always trying to get scoops. <laughs> You, I say if you read the first book, you'll know the answer to that question. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Okay. That's true. That's true. I, um, we interviewed Nalini Singh, was that like two years ago, Shawnee, or a year and a half ago? Yeah. And it was before, I don't know if you read her series, but it was before, well, she writes so many books. It must have been like two books ago. And it was like this, this uh, couple that everyone was like shipping and everyone was hoping they were to be together. And so I like, we were chatting and then I tried to like slide it in all casual. I was like, oh yeah, so are they going to end up together? And she's like, you almost got me. You tried to get me. You're not gonna get me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I had to try yeah. for the listeners and myself. Yes. <laughs> I had to. <laughs> you never know oh, that was funny though. do you find are you finding a community with other artists uh, art, artists other authors in this process are you finding that to be I don't know like a good part of the journey oh absolutely you know I've been writing for over a decade now so yes 
coming into the writing community, the romance writing community was, was the best thing for me. Um, I have a group of uh, friends and we call ourselves the Destin Divas because we have a yearly writing retreat in Destin, Florida. And it's about oh. 20 of us. Um, we haven't gone the past few years because of COVID. Ooh. Yeah. But before COVID, we went every year and, you know, and we talk to each other constantly, basically. So, yes. And they're always there for a pick me up if I need one and for support. You know, we all try to be there for each other, whether it's our personal lives or our writing lives. And yes, I would not. This book wouldn't have existed without them, honestly, because they they gave me so mo so much motivation to write the book and try to get it published. So, mm. yeah. you know, seeing everything they've accomplished, it just motivates me. That's I love awesome. that. I love that. I want like, I love the idea of like a yearly like meetup. Me and Shawnee, when we first started this, were like, well, it's 2019, October of 2019. 2019. <laughs> and hopeful, the before time. So hopeful. <laughs> yes. So naive. <laughs> <The before> time. <laughs> so cute. When we had all of these ambitions, <laughs> we were talking about how we would love to do like live events and kind of do something mm. similar where it's like, we didn't know if it would be like other podcasters or just like, you know, listeners on the show or, or whoever wanted to come that year, but I have something where it's like a standing, you know, the first week of June, we're mm -hmm. always here. You could buy tickets on our website and, you know, sort of thing. So I think that's awesome that you guys do that. And also that you support each other. Cause I feel like writing can be a really lonely existence since you're yes. just in your own head with your own thoughts, typing on your own computer. Um, so it's oh, nice yeah. to have like a group to sort of motivate you and and cheer you on and probably like bounce some ideas off of and such. Yes. I feel like every, every like artistic thing that is done, like I'm finding is like a lonely, <laughs> a lonely <laughs> existence. It's not, there's only so many like art forms where you're constantly with other people. A lot of them are, are alone, you know? And sometimes I think you just like, you get in the thick of it and you don't even realize how long you've been alone or you don't realize how long you've, you know, <laughs> been alone with your own thoughts. And you're like, oh man, I really need to get some other thoughts going on in, in here. Like you put your head up and you're looking around and you're like, oh, oh wow, the world has changed in, in this span of time that I've been taking to like create this piece of art. And so uh, I think it's cool that you have like this group that you get together with. Um, I'm always like super intrigued um, and curious when I hear people have like uh, a group that meets constantly and, you know, and is just there for each other and like repping for each other. That I think is just dope, like all around. So that's, that's very cool. That's super cool. As you've been like going through all the press and everything, is there something that you wish like interviewers and publications would ask you about? Oh my goodness. Um, gosh. I mean, honestly, people always ask me where I came up with the idea for the book. So, um, and then I get to go on my little spiel because I think it's cool and funny. And uh, so I'll go on my little spiel. Yay! <laughs> Please, spiel, spiel, spiel. I love a spiel. I love one. <laughs> well, okay. So I always, you know, I am a big sports fan, as we talked about earlier, and I love football but football is like a really hard, brutal sport, like on the field and really off the field as well. Like they, the players, for the most part, they don't have guaranteed contracts like they do in like baseball or basketball. Uh, you know, they are constantly just throwing their bodies at each other and trying to hit each other as hard as you possibly can. And that takes a huge toll on your body. So, um, and they always say that NFL stands for not for long because their careers can be so short. Oh, dang. Yes. And, you know, and I was thinking about that and how football players prepare for life after football and what can they do. So I kind of started from there. And, you know, I was really thinking about like Michael Strahan who is now on Good Morning America. He used to be on live with Regis Michael. And I'm like, a lot of people probably don't even realize he used to be a football player. 
before he went into media. And so I started there and then Microsoft started running a commercial for their Surface tablet a few years ago. And they featured these football players who owned a cupcake shop. And I was like, well, first I was like, no, please don't air this commercial. I don't want people to think they need to write about football players and their life after football. Like, I, that's my idea. And, and then I was like, you know what? No, I'm just going to lean straight on into that. And I'm going to incorporate that idea into my book. So that's how I came up with that part. And then Jada, who is the heroine, I've been a huge, I shouldn't say, I don't, I don't want to admit it. It's okay. It's okay. I'm just going to say it. Like I've watched. It's the same space. It's the same space. It's so safe. So safe. So safe. All romance <laughs> listeners out here. We're all so safe. We're all with you. So I've watched The Bachelor, the TV show, since like the very beginning, which was literally 20 years ago. It started in 2002. Yep. And I'm still Crazy. here like 20 years later, um, which is which is ridiculous on so many levels. But I'm I'm here and it's it, it is what it is. Anyway, so one day I was like, I wonder what would happen if the person who won turned down the proposal. And that just sparked an idea. I was like, well, that person would probably be really hated. Um, so that's how the idea of Jada came about. And then I just kind of merged those two ideas together. Um, I really thought of Jada as being kind of like... Uh, Dion from Clueless. I was like, what if Dion had her, if she was the star of yeah. the book, if she grew up and was a star. So that's kind of where Jada came from and um, her and like uh, Hillary from Fresh Prince and Lisa from Say by the Bell. So she's kind of a combination of all those. She's those like a valley girl. Yes, exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's awesome. That, that, I think that's a great way to, to get that inspiration that's cool yeah I think it's a first of all it's a good spiel secondly <laughs> I liked that even though he was an NFL player like and and you talk and there's a you know a little bit of talk about his contract and and um that kind of like features kind of like in the background right um I I liked that most books that I've read where one of the main characters is either an NFL or NBA or, or whatever that's like a really big part of it you like see their games you see mm -hmm. them like after the games or them training or or whatever it, it ends up being a really large part of the book and I really liked that it was like like he's not in season so like maybe that was part of it too mm -hmm. but like it's like subtly there like this is his job but he's right. also focused on the future and other things Cause it was like a nice change of pace. And, and I also appreciated that. I won't spoil what the, you know, what things come up, but I also appreciated that like any things that came up in that sort of realm were not like a too much of a soapbox. If that makes sense. We've read a couple books where the issues got too issuey and there were too many issues. And like you said, kind of about the paranormals, I was like, where is the romance? Let me weed through all these things. Like it's too many things and it's complicating my romantic feelings. <laughs> so I appreciated that they were there, but they weren't like overwhelming the whole story of the romance. Yeah. Like the romance stayed out front and center. Yeah, I think, you know, I always knew that this, I wanted the story to take place in the off season because it was, it's about them being in a cupcake shop. So and that's where my my logical brain comes in. I'm like, they can't be doing all this during the season. Like, there's no time for all of that. So it has to be in the off season. And <clears throat> and I've written romances that uh, sport romances that do take place during the season. And that's always a a struggle of how much romance, how much sports do I include in it? Because I love sports. Like if when I write a sports scene, like that's like the easiest thing for me to do. So I'm just like, yeah, they do this and then this happens and this is how they feel um, when it happens. And this is what the athletes are thinking because I've watched sports so much and I've watched so many post-game interviews where they're talking about it and I've read so many articles. So that, that's the easy part, but I also know this is a romance. So 
I want to make sure that that that's why we're here. I, I love sports, but the reader is here because they love romance. So I want to make sure I, I focus on that. But, you know, it's also you get reviews where they say there's not enough sports. So, you know, you just kind of I just kind of go with my gut of how much mm-hmm. to include um, to make Bruh. me happy. There's not enough sports. sports. Bruh. Like, <laughs> I'm like, sprinkle sports. Give me the romance. <laughs> I so like I I've, I mean if if I knew it was going to be a sports romance then I think I'd be prepared for more sports but this one I was like it's a cupcake romance <laughs> a fake dating cupcake romance yes. even yeah. better and therefore I expect very little and I, I I feel like I got what I expected which was good. so I, I have one one last question for you uh and that is uh in in real life in real life, what do you feel like it takes to have a real happily ever after with someone or ones, whatever the whatever that may? Well, oh, that's a good question. Um, I think communication with your significant other, good, bad, or indifferent, knowing where each other stands, uh, like learn understanding that person and knowing. What are their hot button issues? What where their vulnerabilities lie, and how you can be a partner to that person to help them through that, uh, and vice versa. But also being vulnerable with someone like that's super hard for me to do. Is being vulnerable, opening up, and letting you into the true me. And but uh, if you can find that person who you can be your true self with and they can be their true self with you and you support each other through that, then you have a shot. Not that I know anything about it, but that is. <laughs> hey, you write, you write them. So, you know, a little yes. bit. <laughs> I like that. You have a shot. You have yes. a shot. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I also think being your true self around someone is definitely, because you can't keep up the facade forever. Mm-hmm. That's no. exhausting. I always tell you, you got to let them into the weirdness right away. Yes. Right away. <laughs> <Take a swim. laughs> I, I, I always say like, if you haven't farted in front of them by date three, you ain't, you ain't trying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. I don't disagree at all. Oh my God. Oh my God. This has been a goddamn delight good times thank you thank Thank you for coming on our show no i had so much fun too thanks y'all so much for having me you guys you can all find fake it till you bake it everywhere that you can buy books we'll have a link in the description of this episode if you want to check it out and on friday we will be dropping our review episode for the book so make sure you tune in for that and uh until next time may your books be your lover and your hands your best friend bye for now kids Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.